Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to Court That's Not Out Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Shovinoff. He's the one and only Angel Ortega. Huge slate this week. It is UFC 267 Fight Week, ladies and gentlemen. However, we still do have lots of other stuff to talk about, including other UFC news as well as Bellator. As always, this episode is brought to you by Rogue Energy. Use code SOUNDOFF at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off your honor your energy needs. Last Saturday night from the UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, a light heavyweight fight. Yes, light heavyweight. About, I know that uh, originally start of the week is a 185-pound fight. Whenever we recorded, it was 195. By fight day, it was moved up to 205. In the end, though, Marvin Torrey defeating Paulo Costa. Uh, not much controversy in this one. Uh, 48-46 across all judges' scorecards. Angel. My guy. Um, honestly, it was a really, really fun fight. There were no real stakes involved. Neither one of these guys are going to be contending for a title much. I mean, soon, anyways. Um, for, but what do you think about Victoria's performance? And also, what did you think just about the whole weight situation? We talked about it a little bit last week, but it, even, it got even worse from the time in which we recorded to the actual fight happening. I mean, I didn't think the weight issues were going to be that big. I thought they were like, okay, they kind of settled on a weight. I mean, we, you and I kind of talked about it. It's like, okay, they're going to fight at 195. It's not a big deal. They'll make weight. We're going to get the fight. You know, that's all that matters, right? That's what it seemed like at the time. And it ended up being 205. And it's like, well, I guess they get to cut less weight. We should be fine, right? And then, well, that ended up, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, we had another weight change, which, you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes, right? It, it is what it is. And, uh, I mean, we ended up making it to fight day, right? So... Not the biggest deal in the world, but, uh, I mean, hey, man, it is what it is. Whatever happens, I don't know. We made it. We made it through, though. We made it. Mm-hmm. It could have been a lot worse than what it ended up being, and we ended up getting a good fight, so I think regardless, it's it's all good in the end, you know? We, we still got a banger on fight, and, you know, those guys came out and, and did their thing, so, you know, I, I, I can't be, I can't complain, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as that goes, um, ultimately, like I said, Vittori did get the win. But did you actually go ahead and think about his performance? Were you particularly impressed? Or was it more just the case that uh, all the – I mean, I'll stop um, – let me go ahead and rephrase this, actually, because I saw a lot of people were kind of saying that Costa kind of probably was not there this week, and that's why Vittori actually got the dub. Do you think that was more the case, or do you think that just Vittori put on a great performance? I mean, I feel like you can say that to an extent, but, I mean, regardless, I mean – the guy still came out and performed, and I don't think Costa did that bad. I mean, I think he had his moments, right, where he, he looked good. I thought he was going to gas out, like, terribly, which didn't end up really – I mean, he did get tired, like, any like in any five-round fight, and then obviously not making the weight properly and not being used to fighting that weight, especially in a five-round, you know, environment. Mm-hmm. But uh, for what it was worth, I mean, it was, still, it was still good enough to get him through, and I think he was capable of beating Marvin. Marvin just came out and ended up being good, man. I mean, you saw him in those deep exchanges – where Paulo can be really dangerous to land those heavy shots, and he ended up doing good. I mean, he was bringing it to Paulo Costa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he was walking down Paulo Costa. He had Paulo Costa against the cage. You know what I mean? Like, it was uh, – I mean, that is a dangerous man. Not a lot of people would stand in front of Paulo Costa, especially a not fully dehydrated, 
you know, 185 Paulo Costa, they had to rehydrate and come fight the next day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly thought it was just a tremendous performance. I saw a lot of people were kind of – I really hated the weight thing even happened because I felt like there was so much t- attention taken away from the fact that – I mean, the only other person to beat Paulo Costa was Israel Adesanya. And Vittori, who – I mean, a lot of people really – I don't think have given him his props because his – his UFC path has been pretty weird. He, he kind of fell into a title shot because he beat Hermanson and then he beat Holland. He took the fight on, like, what, six days' notice or something? In um, either win, I thought I thought the Hermanson one was good, but then he was supposed to beat Holland. That was just such a weird fight. And then he kind of fell into the title shot because Whittaker couldn't make the turnaround, and then he got beaten so soundly by Izzy. So this is honestly by far the best performance of his career, in my opinion. And like you said, he kind of walked him down for various sections of that fight. And I think Costa... Um, let's go ahead and point this out also because there was uh, some controversy with there was an there was a point taken away in the second round, which I saw Daniel Cormier making a big deal about that there was a point taken away from Paulo Costa due to an eye poke, and it was you know it was only one eye poke. That's not why he lost. I mean Marvin still took clearly three rounds, so that did not end up mattering in the end. In the end, I just thought there was so much controversy that kind of overshadowed what I thought, which is a tremendous performance by Marvin Vittori by far. The best win of his career and probably the best performance. I feel like this is something that, like, I don't know if I, I wasn't expecting it to go the way that it did. I did pick him, but just not the way it went down, man. And shout out to Paul Costa as well. I, he, you know, he was weird all week. Very, very weird all week. Apparently, he came in, um, I believe Dana said 219 during, and that's heavier than what he normally weighs when he kills himself to make 185. So that's why fight got moved up and moved up. Um, but in the end, nice performance by him. Uh, I saw that Dana said he may be the backup for the Whitaker Adesanya two fight happening uh-huh. in January. So um, January February. So that'll be interesting. But Angel, I feel like this card was kind of there was some there were some good parts, some bad parts. Uh, co-main events, not a whole lot to talk about there. Grant Dawson putting in a somewhat good performance for the first two rounds. It was relatively close, but decisive rounds for Dawson. Round three, just Rick, Ricky Glenn beat the shit out of him. Gets a 10-8 round, goes to the draw. Is that how you scored the fight? Was a draw? Um, I know that some people did ultimately think that Glenn probably did not do enough to get the 10 8 round in the third, but that's ultimately how the judges saw it. You know, I'm not. You know, that particular judge that had that 10 9 round, I know he's been part of Because there was the two judges gave a 10 8, right? And there was one judge who gave a 10 9, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. I know that that one judge who gave that 10 9 has been in some hot water from previous situations not giving proper scores. So, I mean. Was it kind of justice for him finally, you know, not like it's still happening, like him looking bad? I don't know. Did I have an issue with it? Look, uh, you know, it, it, you for Grant Dawson, I, I would have expected him to have the kind of performance he had in those initial two rounds, the ride all the way through, especially for a guy like him, especially when he was in the kind of fight originally. Who was it, Carlos Diego Ferreira originally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Kind of, I mean, it's it's kind of like. Maybe is this kind of like a, a kind of wake up, you know, still kind of from your last fight against Leonardo Santos where you had to win in the last round in a finish, like last second as can be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like is it a little bit of that kind of coming back to harm a bit, kind of like, hey, man, you need, you need to carry this energy through the whole fight and not find yourself in any kind of weird stick situation. And granted, he, he's a young guy, has plenty of time, and it's one specific scenario, and it's one fight in his career. It's his first ever draw. You know, it is what it is. But as far as what I thought about it, I mean, it, it's a draw. It's not a loss. I'm not going to freak out about it. At least that's how I try to think about it. I mean, as a fighter, you know, that's a different story, right? You're kind of like, fuck, man, I got ready for this camp, and it, it ends up being a draw, not a win or a loss. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point that his last fight kind of played into this. In the end, I think the big reason why he actually got scored a 10 8, that submission attempt, I believe it was like a Darce that he got in like the last 30 seconds or so. I, I don't know if Dawson went out, but he was really close. Like, it took him forever to get back to his feet uh, to actually, you know, he, he did. Because I believe there's like a rule that after the fight ends, you have to get up by the count of 10. And like in a situation where you're getting pounded on or the submission attempt, you have to get up by the count of 10. He just barely did so. So I think that probably reflected a lot in the eyes of the judges of that round was so decisive for Rick Lund. But, um, yeah, dude goes to a draw. I mean. It was it was all right, I guess. I think I was more honestly impressed with Rick Glenn, who's a guy that like I never really had high expectations for. Um, he's been a guy that like he can beat some okay guys, and then he'll, he'll lose to the ones that are actually good, um, or actually top level, I guess I should say. So for him, and I had always thought Grant Dawson was a really really good guy. So for him to stay in there and compete and ultimately come back and put on a really good performance, so I was impressed with him as well, more so than I thought of just Grant Dawson having an off night. But as far as the rest of the card goes, man. Uh, what is the what are some of the fights you wouldn't go and highlight? I mean, Josh already knew who I'm going to highlight. I mean, do you really even have to ask me that question? Uh, just do it. Just go. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Al- Alex Caceres, man, getting hurt in, in that first round. If I remember, or taking some heavy shots. I wouldn't say get hurt, but you, you definitely get touched up in that first round. Gets illegally need, comes back and gets the submission. Uh, on his opponent, man. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's fucking beautiful, dude. I mean, what what do you what else do you want to see out of a guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude. I mean, so if you guys didn't watch this fight, I don't blame you. I don't think too many people actually watch this fight night because there's such a weird time and Bellator was going on, and I mean, the goat got a huge win over there, and we'll talk about that later. So I feel a lot more people are focusing on that. But dude, Caceres gets dropped with the right hand, and Sung Mu Choi is a bad man too. Let's go and say that he's a bad young kid very very good and he was something like a minus 300 minus 400 favorite going into this one uh round one he drops him with the right and then the illegal knee dropped him again like he was nearly knocked out like he was he was in a really really bad place um in the end like you said he comes back and dude alex caceres he's ranked again he's ranked number 15 in the new rankings and, dude, this is quite literally – I mean, you can argue this one or you can argue his run from 2012 to 2014 um, where he beat Sergio Pettis in the middle of it. I'd argue this one's probably the most impressive, like, run of his career just because, while well, he did beat Sergio Pettis in that run, which is probably the best individual win. The way he's been gotten out these wins, dude, it's been tremendous. Um, Steven Peterson, not a, not a phenomenal win, but still a win. He beat Chase Hooper at the time. I believe Chase was undefeated, super hyped up. He beat Austin Springer, who beat Giga um on the contender series he dominated him choked him out beat kevin croom with a nice win and then he had to come from behind to beat wool Choi. tremendous tremendous run by caceres like i said on twitter like this is the most underrated story in mma right now like a guy at the age of 33 34 just turning his entire career around like he was on the verge of being cut he, like he lost like three of like what some like uh, three of five or four of five, and dude, just turn it around. Fucking tremendous job by Alex Caceres. Um, so yeah, you like like you said, that was the real story for me personally. Like I, I love that shit. Um, Francisco Chernobyl got a nice win. Dude, I ranted about this on Twitter. I'm gonna go and say it again. Why do why do rules exist in MMA? Like mm-hmm. legitimately, like Nick Nick Nicolay. I'm not even gonna say it. I don't know how to pronounce that. But taking on Ike Villanueva. <laughs> I gets dropped to the right, and then just Nikolay going, just landing some brutal hammer fists to the back of his fucking head. 
Um, like he landed like five of them that ended the fight all to the back of his head, and just that's a TKO finish, I guess. Like why why do why do rules even exist if if you guys never enforce them? Like outside of I mean rules are meant to be broken, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a referee in the main event whose name I'm forgetting. Was it Jason Herzog, I think? Um, Dude, Herzog was – he's been in the mix. <laughs> Herzog was tremendous. Like, he took the point away from Uchoi. He took a point from Paulo Costa. He's the only motherfucker I've seen that enforces the rules. And I say motherfucker is a term of endearment, let me say. Like, he's tremendous. He's the best referee in the game right now for my money because he actually enforces the rules. Who's the worst ref? Worst ref? Oh, man. Here's the problem is that, like, all referees make mistakes. And I'm not sure if it's just because of it's the high-profile run, the whole, the high-profile mistakes. I got to go Herb Dean probably, if I'm being as completely a, honest. Just just as of lately, right? It's not like – Just as of lately. It's not it, – he's for a very long amount of time, Herb Dean is the best ref in the game. Um, and he was – like, he it was him and Big John for, like, 10, 15 years. Um, as being the best referees in the game. Herb Dean, I'd say since like 2019, 2020 on, he's been. I mean, shit, one of the guys bad. quite literally wrote the rules for MMA. So. Yeah. Big John. Big John's going to be the go. Big John's always been my go. I can't think of a time where Big John is just. Fucked terrible. up. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure it happened. But like, I can't. It happens really every think. ref, right? Like, it's, it's kind of an inevitable. You know, it'll happen at some point. You're going to have one bad call, one bad mistake. Like, it's going to happen. And I, honestly, if you never make a mistake as a ref, that's fucking impressive. Yeah, but the fact that I can't think of a big one for Big John, that's, stay, like that—that—that that, says it all. Exactly. So he's—I mean, he's—I think Big John gets too much hate, honestly. Like this is slightly going off topic, but people hate him for his Bellator commentary, and I, I like Big John. I gotta say, dude, I think he's—I think he's still great. I love having him around in the game, and for my money, he is the the goat of of refereeing, if there could be one. But yeah, Herb Dean's probably been the worst lease in recent memory. Um, second place is is this this other dude who who refereed the main card opener between Ikeville and Oasis because that was just terrible. <clears throat> um, but undercard, dude, your boy Mason Jones got a great win against David Oama. That was a great fight. That was a tremendous fight. It was, dude. I mean, my whole thing with Mason is like, bro, he just takes too much damage, still, bro. He does. He takes a lot of damage. Unnecessary, I, too, dude. That's yeah, it's going to come back to bite him at some point in time. It is not yet. Um, Shit, at some point, it's probably going to get laid out. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, he needs to. Oh, he's so talented, man. He has so many good skills, and it's just like he's not putting them all to show, man. You saw the fucking judo, the top pressure. You saw the scrambles and wrestling. Like, and, and shout out to David, right? I, he's a guy I've had my eye on for over a year now. And I knew what he was capable of. Obviously, he wasn't fighting at the right weight class, right? David, right? That's his first name. I, I might be wrong there. Uh, can mm -hmm. you double can you fact check that for me? I believe, yeah. yeah. You're correct. Yeah, yeah. So I I I'd had my eye on him for probably over a year now, and I was well aware of him and his skill set, uh, mainly because he fights out of uh, our gym here, Josh, at, uh, what is it, Glory? Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, Glory. Yeah, and he is just a, a talented individual, man. He has some powerful hands, and... Uh, I mean, if he was fighting at, at a proper weight, right, and he's, uh, you know, I think that fight could be a little different, man. Honestly, he, you know, I hope the UFC brings him back because he is, uh, he's in a fucking amazing talent, bro. I want to see him again. And mm -hmm. I was so happy he got the call up and, I mean, not against an easy opponent. And he fucking, he fucking laid hands on that boy, dude. So he did. Shout out to him. So I just really wanted to highlight him as well as his opponent. Like I said, you know, something that uh, at least I try to do, and I know Josh makes an effort to do, is, you know, we just want to highlight both people, right? Because they both came out and had, you know, good, good fucking performances, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, you know who I feel bad for, man? I feel bad for Kama Worthy. This ah, Kama Worthy. I feel so bad for Kama Worthy, dude. And I don't know. I mean, just because I love his story, dude. This is a guy that, like, he was, I want to say he was, like, 14 and 6, 13 and 6. He was, like, a regional guy. He just gets picked up, I think, on short notice to get, I mean, they're, they're hoping he's going to get smashed by Devontae Smith. Um, and Devontae Smith is still still a tremendous talent. I'm not I'm not trying to say like anything, but yeah. And then he just and then he beats him. He beats Luis Pena, who had a lot of hype at the time. I have to say at the time, <laughs> that one's not turned out to be so well. Um, and then just three knockout losses in a row, man. It's just damn. I hope they give him one more shot, dude. I hope I really hope they give him one more shot. Um, but I would understand if they didn't. And he because like I said, he just, he just got knocked out by Jai Herbert, and you know it's it was it was rough. Um, other quick, uh, one I want to go and shout out Randa Marcos, dude. She, uh, she's back in the win column. She, she evened up a record. She now is 11, 11 and one. Dude, I thought uh, she was going to get cut. Like I was going to, I was going to bring this up last time. Sorry to cut you off. They were going to bring up like on the podcast, like Josh, is this a make or break for her? Like if she loses this, she has to be gone. Right. I'm surprised she didn't get cut after the last one to be completely honest with you, because she lost four in a row. That was a bad and one. Once eh? you hit once you hit more than three, it's kind of like you lose your next one, you're gone. Um, not her, I guess. She got one more against Livia uh, Renata Souza, who's actually pretty good in her own right. I want to say she was um, – I don't know the exact betting odds, obviously, but I'd be willing to bet Mark was the underdog going in, and she had a great performance. Um, so – you know, full full props to her, dude. She evened up her record. She's now back at back at uh, 500, 11, 11, and one. Pretty sure that's the day Skyrim came out. So shout out her. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, the fuck? How do you just randomly know that, Josh? Uh, well, how, how would you forget? Skyrim came out on, on 11, 11, 11. I'm 99 percent sure that's what happened because I remember being like a whole that's thing. Hilarious. I'm, I'm, but you know, so there you go. She is the chosen one. Um, she's the dragon board, but yeah, so I don't know. Fuck dude. Um, so moving on to the card we got this weekend, dude, it is Banger. not a pay-per-view. It is, it, but it is a, it is a rare, what the hell are they calling it? It's a, it's a special presentation on ESPN it, plus. I, I think it, it's a, a national event. <laughs> there we, we'll go with that. It is a numbered card as such. It is stacked like a pay-per-view, but it is not a pay-per-view going down. If you guys are listening uh, honestly, whenever this podcast comes out 7 p.m. Central Time every Friday, something in like 12 hours after that, then you guys are going to be having UFC 267 because it's going down early time due to Abu Dhabi. Prelims going on 9.30 a.m., so it's going to be an early one. But, dude, they're back, back on Fight Island, Etihad Arena and Abu Dhabi. Dude, it's it's time, dude. I am so psyched for this main event, and this entire main card is so excellent. But, dude, main event. Jan Wachowicz taking on Glover Teixeira. The old men. It is the year of the old men, okay? Jan is 38 years old. He's going to be 39 in February. Glover is not – I believe his birthday is tomorrow. He's going to be 42 whenever the fight goes down. I saw that. Um, I believe, unless I'm wrong, this is going to be the second oldest um, average of a UFC title fight um, of all time. Second only to Bisping and Henderson. Uh, which I don't know the exact number, but I know Bisping and Henderson were – Bisping was 38, Hendo was 47, 46. So this is second place to only that. So history in the making. And, um, as far as the actual fight itself, dude, Jan coming off of the winner of Israel Adesanya, he's on a tremendous run. I believe he's won 9 of 10 
Um, obviously won the title in a vacant title fight against Dominic Reyes, beat Izzy Glover on, dude, the fucking comeback of the century, honestly. I mean, this is a guy that got – he went from losing three of five to just he beat Carl Roberson in an amazing comeback. He was getting pounded on to start that fight. Carl Roberson took that fight on short notice. I was like, oh, man, Glover's done. And to just see the turnaround from that point, he, he had to come from behind to beat Eon, split decision win over Krylov, beats Anthony Smith, and then in a fight-of-the-year contender, beats Tiago Santos, dude. Just absolutely tremendous. But it's getting past the X's and O's, Angel. I know these are two of your favorites right now. Who do you got oh, yeah. on Saturday night? You know, Josh, I gotta put, I'm picking Glover to share. I want his Randy Couture movement. He's becoming new, new, and new. And new. So, I mean, how do you see the fight going down, though? I'm curious because, um, obviously, the, the the wrestling is like the, the, that, the, obviously, the key to for him, the grappling. But do you think he's going to yeah. have to survive the onslaught to get there? Do you think it's going to be like his normal fights he's been having recently? I mean, let me tell you, dude, I don't, and I'm going to keep it 100%. I, he cannot eat a shot from him. He loses the fight, 100%. If he eats a shot, he 100% loses. I will keep it 100% with you. He will not be able to take that power from him. And that was going to be the biggest thing. And look, for what it's worth, dude, Jan's striking at, at range, extremely disciplined. I mean, you saw in that Izzy fight. You saw the amount of fucking discipline he had in that fight. And he gave Izzy all the respect in the world, man, because he knew this guy is fucking – he's good. He's legit. I need to be really disciplined with my striking. I need to be hyper aware during this whole match. Because at any moment, he could tag me, and that could be game over for me. And, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, let's be honest. The striking goes to Glover, right? The power goes to Glover. As far as the wrestling on the ground, I give that, honestly, to Teixeira. If Teixeira gets on top, he's going to lay on him like a bear, honestly. And he has a good, a, some good chokes he can get from up top. Even if he ends up on bottom, though, and Jan is able to posture up, and he's able to rain ground and pound, it's going to be a terrible fucking night for Glover, you know? He doesn't. He doesn't want to end up on his back, and he doesn't want to. And he want. And if he ends up in any form of submission, he he's gonna have to be on top. Obviously, if he takes the back, obviously, because you know, anybody who takes a back in the fight is gonna be extremely dangerous. But the thing is, just avoid that hand, man. Just avoid that hand, the left or the right. You know, you saw those kicks come into that uh, Dominic Reyes fight. I don't know if they're gonna come in in this fight because you know, obviously, if Glover catches one of those, t- leads into a takedown. Obviously, becomes very dangerous. There's a lot of factors. But I think Glover can get it done, man. I, I For some reason, I genuinely believe in him. And obviously, congratulations to him on becoming a U.S. a US citizen recently. Mm. Yeah, and congrats to him for that. I think this fight is very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, for honestly a multitude of reasons. I feel like, obviously, the... I mean, I, I don't know the exact betting odds. I looked them up earlier this week, and I saw that Jan was as high as a 3-1 to one favorite over Glover. And that seemed pretty insane to me. Obviously, we've seen Jan as a striker. He's tremendous. For all of, like, our complaints about Jan, like, whenever he first started off his career, he was obviously not, you know, he couldn't stop takedowns worth a damn. And honestly, like, his striking was good. We always knew his striking was good. Now he's had, like, a lot of, I want to say favorable matchups. Um, but a lot of guys that, like, they just could not get the fight to the ground. I think Glover is the first time that we've seen somebody with a reasonable takedown threat I mean, obviously, Corey Anderson, but Corey got deaded a minute in. So, like, I don't think we really got, like, a good indication. Shout out Corey um, Anderson. Yeah, shout out Corey Anderson. He's, he's killing it right now. But I don't think that was, like, a really good indication of guys with just a tremendous takedown game. Like, if you want to go back to the last time he faced, like, a legitimate, really, really good wrestler, you have to go back to Patrick Cummins in 2017, um, where we got to see, like, a legitimate fight go on and on and on. 
because uh, Corey lost the fight legitimately the first exchange, like a minute in. So I don't really that's like a good indicator of how he does against wrestlers. I'm I'm with you, dude. I'm gonna take Glover Teixeira. I think I, I you got a feeling. I got, got a feeling. feeling. That's it. I mean, everybody's on the yawn train. Everybody thinks he's gonna wash Glover because Glover has had multiple fights now where he's like he's had to withstand like just taking a beating. But like I don't I don't think that Yans can be able to stuff the takedowns. I really don't think he's gonna be able to. And I also think that Glover has a good enough chin. If you look at the guys he lost to, he got knocked out early, early in his career. First time he fought in WEC all the way back in two thousand and two. Okay. The other two times he lost via knockout, he got knocked up by Rumble, which prime Rumble, Jesus Christ. The other one was him getting walloped for five rounds by Gus, and he got dropped like six times combined. Like he got his ass kicked, but it took five rounds for him to be put out. People think he's just going to get clipped in the first exchange and he can get knocked out. It's possible, yeah. But like, I mean, honestly, I rate Tiago Santos's punching power. I do over Jan's. Um, and like, I don't know, man. I, I really got a feeling. It ultimately comes down to that. I just don't think he's going to be able to stuff the takedowns. I think Glover's going to get to the top. I think he'll do some, do some nice damage on the top. I think Jiu-Jitsu is better than Jan's. I think we'll be looking at Ann New. I think that he's going to be the first ever, well, I guess would be the second oldest champion to first win the title. Uh, the first, obviously, oldest was Randy. I don't remember how old he was whenever he first won the title, but um yeah dude i think it's gonna be glover i think it's gonna be his night i know that he's a massive underdog this weekend but i've got glover to share this saturday and new which dude either one of these guys is gonna have to face yuri prohoshka next jesus christ i'm down for challenge right yeah like i'm down for either one um i think uh, i think honestly that that fight i think Jan would have a much easier time with but i am gonna take glover to win this saturday but that's not the only title fight this weekend, my guy. Two title fights. One of them interim, though. Piotr Jan coming back for the first time since he lost his belt via, disqualifi- via disqualification to Aljamain Sterling. Interim title fight due to Aljamain having neck issues. He's taking on Corey the Sandman Sandhagen. Corey is obviously coming off a split decision loss to TJ Dillashaw, but before that he's been a part of a tremendous run. You can argue I thought he won that Dillashaw fight anyways. So in the end, it it all works out. It all you know, it all worked out. Um, obviously, Peter Jan, his only loss in the UFC was that disqualification. Outside of that, he's been completely dominant. Uh, the only real close fight he had, quote unquote, was honestly with Jimmy Rivera. Uh, he knocked out Faber, although gave him a nice round or two, but he eventually got gassed out and knocked out. So here we go, dude. Interim title on the line. The bantamweights. Who do you got between Jan and Sandhagen? Who will be fighting Aljamain Sterling next? Look. As much as I like Corey Sandhagen, man, and I know Piotr doesn't have that signature win, and that's kind of like the talk that I've been hearing around is Piotr Jan is a legitimately skilled guy, dude. He's fucking good, dude. You know, he sets a fucking pace. You know, he'll, he'll build it up, man. Maybe not from the bat. You know, he'll fucking start throwing shit. He won't be going haywire. He won't have that kind of like end game pressure that he puts on at the very end of a fight. But he builds up to it, man. He builds up to it. And I think against Corey Sandhagen, he'll do it. He'll have trouble with the range. I think initially he'll have to get comfortable and find his, his spots and pick his, his positioning. I think on the ground, it's going to be actually a very tough fight for him. Actually, both guys, I think it's going to be a tough fight. But I think Piotr's going to come out on top, get that mat- rematch against Aljamain, and we'll see who the real champ is, man. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not going to be the real champ because Aljamain, the funk master Sterling, is still... Holding the bantamweight strap, but yeah, I see your point. The paper um, champ? 
Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, who threw the knee again? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the ref. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I I do hate all the hate Sterling gets, but in the end, yeah. Um, I'm okay. Two things. You're completely right. The people all the time I've noticed will will honestly shit on Piotr Jan for not having the signature win, and that's honestly fair criticism. If you look at his record, I mean, who's the best win of his career? Aldo on a two on like a two fight losing streak, like 41 year old Uriah Faber. Like I get the criticism. However, you can tell sometimes, even if they don't have the signature win, you can tell how good they are by how they're beating the guys that they're supposed to beat. I've always said this, dude. Like, you can just – I've used an example whenever you see MVP fight, you know what I mean? Like, he's beating these guys the way that an elite fighter beats a good fighter. He's beating these guys that same exact way. What do you expect when Peter Yon fought your eye favor? To kick the shit out of him. We did to kick the shit out of him. Whenever he's whenever he's fighting these guys, you expect him to win, and he's winning in an even more dominant way than you thought he originally would. I picked Aljamain Sterling to win that fight. The betting odds were really, really close because Aljamain was on a hell of a run. Aljamain, in my opinion, is the second best fighter in this division by a significant margin. Corey Sandhagen fought Aljamain Sterling and lost in a minute and a half because he got choked out cold by him. And Piotr, I hate to do MMA math, Piotr Jan beat Aljo's ass, okay? I honestly think Let's Piotr Jan... Let him know, champ. <laughs> Piotr Jan is a tremendous fighter who does not have the names. I think Corey Sandhagen is a tremendous fighter, and I think he's honestly, on paper, pure striking, the best striker in the division. However, he leaves himself way too open. I'm not sure if it's because of his frame and he's a really long guy. It's easier to take him down. You saw TJ Jolichaw on one leg was able to control the fight enough to get the win. Piotr Jan does not show it much because he's a striker, but his takedown game is really, really good, dude. It's excellent. Um, I think, and he's a very, very strong guy as well. So I'm I'm going to take Piotr Jan here. I'm not sure how he's going to get it done. I think probably, I think he's probably going to go back to the TJ tape and just watch that like, oh yeah, Sandhagen, very, very dangerous. He throws a lot of crazy stuff up, but I can definitely control this guy for enough to win. And I also think on the feet, it's going to be relatively even. I think Sandhagen will have the advantage on the feet, but it won't be substantial enough for him to get, like, a knockout win. Pyrion is a chin made of steel. Like, I think he's going to be able to stop him. So I'm going to go and take Pyrion. And damn, I really do hope we get a second fight between Pyotr and Aljamain. I really hope he heals up. People calling him a paper champ. I really want to see just because, like, that's such a good grudge match, dude. That really, really is. Those two legitimately really hate each other. And a lot of the time, feuds in MMA are just – Two dudes trying to get paid, they really dislike one another. So I really hope they revisit that matchup. I hope Aljo, you know, I hope he, you know, gets cleared, is able to fight, because I would love to see a rematch between those two. Regardless, though, we're both rocking with Peter Yan on Saturday. Moving on down the card, though, this is another, you know, speaking of guys that have good wins, that me, guys that have good but not great wins, and guys that you can just tell if they're good but they have not been tested, Islam Makachev getting the biggest test of his career. And he takes out Dan Hooker, who just fought last month. He's taking this fight on one month notice after going 15 rounds. To, excuse me. Wow. 15 minutes with Nash Rad Hackbrass last month. He's stepping up to fight Islam Makachev, who is kind of the boogeyman of the division. He's being hyped up by everybody at AKA, Habib, DC. They're hyping him up hardcore. Um, he's obviously coming off his first main event win. He beat Tiago Moises in July via submission. Dude, wouldn't have this matchup. Obviously, he's never faced anybody of Dan Hooker's caliber. 
but obviously Hooker is kind of taking a fight on less than a month's notice. Uh, so what do you think about this one? I mean, fun match. I mean, for Dan, I don't know, man. Like I told you, when it comes to those guys out of that gym, when it comes to like this, like the defensive side of striking, he is like not on the level of Kaikara, Alexander, and Izzy. Like he'll he'll take some shots, man. It's kind of weird, especially with that amazing group they have of guys and the highest level of striking they provide. But uh, I don't know, man. And we saw in that Nasrat match, you know, he went to the down to the ground a bit. But against Islam, I don't know if that's going to be a viable option. Like I think Islam will come to smash, you know. <laughs> like he, I, I, it's gonna be a tough out for him, man. I think he, he's not in a good position in this fight. I, I don't see him winning it. I don't know how he would win it. I don't think he would fin. I don't think it would be a finish. I don't even think uh, he'll finish Dan. Uh, I think he'd be too hard. But uh, I mean, anything's possible, man. But I, it, it's, it's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask for, from Dan Hooker. I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I mean, he's an amazing competitor. I love seeing him. But I don't think he's going to get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, I think this fight would be a lot different if um, if Dan Hooker had, like, a real training camp. Because I'm not really sure who's in the U.S. with him. Are these coaches just flying over? Because I know that, like, he part of the reason he took this fight is like, yeah, it's going to take me a month to get back to my home country anyway, just because they're crazy, insane, like, travel policy. I mean, um, they're going to move to the U.S. anyways because of the Yeah, but they don't have, like, any location or any anything set up. Not right yet. Now. Not yet. Yeah, but, like, are they all located in the U.S.? Do you know? Uh, I don't know what their whole plan is. I don't know if anybody's here yet. I heard from, rumors. I heard from someone else, like, uh, this might be completely incorrect, just so you know. Like, I'm just saying this. Yeah. Somewhere else that Izzy's already in Vegas. That might be completely wrong, but mm-hmm. I did hear something like that from someone. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just going off of off of like his social media. I just see him training at the Apex, so I don't really know who he's training with. But regardless, he's taking this fight regardless of all that stuff. He's still taking this fight in like a month's notice. He went a hard 15 minutes at Nasrat. I just don't like this matchup at this point in time. Had he taken it with a real training camp, had he had time to rest up, because I mean, he clearly beat Nasrat, but he took, you know, there were some tough exchanges in there. He took some punches, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a cakewalk by any means. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Islam Makachev here. I, I, I dislike that he's getting this, this hardcore, he's going to fight with the title next, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if he wins this one. And I, I'm not entirely sure if that's deserved, just because he has not really beaten, I mean, this will be by far the best win of his career, and even then it has like a pretty massive asterisk, so... I, I, after this one, I hope they actually do match up him with RDA again, just because I would like to see that matchup. But that's obviously just my opinion. Um, I mean, we know his talent. Know that, let's be real. We know he's talented, but I just don't know how talented. You know what I mean? Like, even this win's going to have a ma- massive asterisk on it. Although, the Tiago Moises win, it was incredibly underrated. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I mean, because I mean, he's a young and upcoming guy as well. Yeah. But we'll see what happens, uh, Islam. I mean, we're both... We've both picked all the same people so far. So we're going to go move on. Dude, this is like the card full of your boys, dude. Like you have Jan Glover, the other Jan, and then Oliver <laughs> Swolkov returning against Marcin Tybora. This is a really nice heavyweight fight. It's kind of kind of a little, you know, stacked under there. Not a whole lot of attention. Um, Tybora is on a tremendous run, best run of his career by far. Uh, Sergei Spivak, Massim Grishin. Uh, ben Rothwell, Greg Hardy, Walt Harris was bat- last to be a, via knockout. 
Volkov is coming off a loss to Cyril Gaon, but that was a, I'd say honestly that was the closest fight of Gaon's career so far. Not that that means much. Um, but yeah, dude, who you, I'm, I'm not sure why I'm asking who do you got on this one, but how do you think the fight's going to go? Look, I'm picking Volkov, bro. Marcin Tybura, for what it is, man, anytime he's ever faced any caliber of ranked opponent, he's lost. He bit Walt Harris, but let me tell you this. Walt Harris has been, been completely taken advantage of by the UFC and thrown into terrible matches ever since he went through that tragedy in his life. They have not put him in any sort of favorable or good matchup whatsoever. Look, if you look at Marcin's last wins, Ben Rothwell, Greg Hardy, Walt Harris, Maxim Grishin, Sergey Spivak. Like, I think the best win there, and there's no disrespect to Ben Rothwell and Maxim Grishin, I think it's Sergey Spivak. And we just saw what happened to Spivak his last fight against Tom Aspinall. Granted, Tom Aspinall is like this crazy good heavyweight prospect, right? Before that, lost to Sakai, Shamil, Derek Lewis, Fabrice Verdum, guys who, are, who I think are like extremely talented. And some of those guys, I think Volkov can beat. It only makes sense to me that Volkov should come out here and put it on Marcin Tepera. He's big. He has size on him. He's looked great in his last couple of fights. That, or not in, I, I shouldn't say he has a great performance in his last couple of fights. Because obviously against Sorrell, he got dismantled from the outside. He did good against Overeem. Put out Walt Harris in the first round. Common opponent in that. Didn't put didn't perform against Curtis Blades, but it was tough in that fight. Came back against Greg Hardy after having a long layoff after that Derry Lewis loss, but before before that had good wins. It only makes sense if Volkov beats Taribara. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I think this fight's going to be a lot closer than what people think. In fact, I was actually almost inclined to pick Taibora just by just oh, by virtue I was of. Kidding. <laughs> I, get I it. mean, well, I, I'm really interested to see how Volkov is going to deal with Taibora's takedown game. Takedown game, excuse me, because Volkov, for all of, I mean, I love the guy, but like. I mean, I think we kind of saw in that Curtis Blades fight kind of the recipe to be, and you have to be, you have to have, I mean, Blades is a great takedown guy, but Tybor has very underrated takedowns of his own right. So if you can get him down and keep him down, that large frame kind of makes it, not the large frame, but just how tall he is kind of makes it easier for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, Tybor, he, he's in his prime, right? I think that he's, his, he's very underrated just by virtue of his current winning streak. A whole lot of people are taking, talking about him, rather. But I am going to go and take Alexander Svolkov. I like the I like the muscle man. I like the fact that he's bulked up. I still like a lot of the things that he's done. I do wonder how a uh, a more slimmed down version would of Volkov would have done against Cyril Gon. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like because he was so big, it was harder for him to kind of move around the octagon in the way he used to do, and that's kind of why Cyril be, was able to beat him because he's more elusive. I think that would be interesting if they were to rematch somewhere down the line. But that is ultimately the game you play whenever you, you bulk up, add 20 pounds of muscle and stuff like that. So I'm gonna take him this weekend though. Still a big fan of Volkov. And uh fight that's, I want to say, kind of flying under the radar. Kind of is, kind of not. Kazmat Chemaev, dude. He is, he's back. His um, silent return. His return taking on Lee Jangling. Obviously, Kazmat had a horrific battle with COVID. Required multiple hospitalizations. Uh, canceled multiple fights he had set up for Leon Edwards. He actually said he was going to retire um, due to lung, you know, complications. Um, after his battle with COVID. In the end, uh, he said he was going to retire, I believe, in March of this year. A couple Seven months later, he is officially making his return. Lee Jang Lang, the leech, ranked number 11. You know, he's not getting the Leon Edwards fight, but he's he's getting a massive step, step up in competition, dude. The leech, for my money, is the most under, underrated man probably in the UFC. If you look at his pure ability and the way that he's evolved since, I want to say, 2018 – He's just he's just been tremendous, dude. He's he's a really really good guy. Knocked out Santiago Ponzinibbio in his last time out, and Pons is a bad man in his own right. So 
dude, who do you got in this one? Obviously, Cosmot. This is going to be by far his biggest step up yet. I mean, talk about getting thrown through the wolves, right? You know, like what what a fucking challenge, right? Um, if he is all that he is, you know, made out to be, he's going to win this fight. That is the biggest factor right now. Also, we've talked about this. Anybody who's come – the the record for all fighters coming back after COVID is negative, right, Josh? It still stays negative, right, from what we know? Mm-hmm. I believe so. So, obviously, another thing that's not favoring him. Also, he has to fighting a guy who's a tough son of a bitch, man. He has fucking hands. He put out Santiago Ponzinibbio in the first round, like you said, and granted, ring rust, factors in there, other stuff in there. But I'll tell you this. Look back to that Neil Magnet fight. I think this is the biggest thing you got to look back to. Look back mm-hmm. to that Neil Magny fight. I think that's the biggest thing you can look at when it comes to this fight going forward. Look back at that Neil Magny fight. That's all you need to know. Watch that Neil Magny fight. And I think that kind of gives a great blueprint for Hosmite going into this fight. Mm-hmm. If Hosmite is still what he is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, he, he has hands. He has all this ability. But, dude, we got to remember why he was so hyped up. It is now back-to-back. 10-day turnaround where he just beat the hell out of some dudes on the ground because his wrestling was so good. And like you mentioned, the Neil Magny fight. Neil Magny did a lot of train wrestling in that one, held him to the fence, did a really good job of wearing down the leech. I'm almost 100% sure, as much as I love Lee Jang Lang, I'm pretty sure that uh, Cosmod is a better wrestler, just pure wrestling, enabled like chain wrestling, to actually do what he did in better. I'm going to go and take Cosmod Shemaev here. Um... It's going to be very, very interesting when we meet the top, top echelon of the division, just like guys that are really wrestling and really wrestling oriented in their own right, like Colby and Usman and guys like that. Um, if he gets there, obviously. But I think there's a matchup that is a it's a close one. I think it's a good one for him to come back to. It's a very, very clear striker versus grappler matchup. I, I'm aiming to take Cosmo Chimaya, though, to get the big win. But there's not only the kind of grap, not really grappler, but it's not the only kind of prospect versus established veteran fight on on the main card even. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev, for my money, is the boogeyman of light heavyweight. Um, since losing to Paul Craig in the first fight, uh, obviously his first fight in the UFC rather, um, he's been undefeated. He has won six fights in a row against. I mean, the competition has not been entirely there, but his last three have been tremendous. Uh, he beat Nikita Krylov dominantly. He knocked out Ian Kutilaba uh, after a first fight, which he TKO'd him, which was relatively controversial. But, dude, he's just – he's tremendous. He's 15-1. and one. He's taking on Vulcan Uzdemir. Uzdemir, obviously, he was using this role um, actually last year, last July, where he fought Yuri Prohoshka. Yuri was super hyped up coming in, and he ultimately got KO. That was a fun fight. That was actually um, – Obviously, the Dom Reyes fight was more fun, but that fight was really, really fun, too. Vulcan had his own success in that one as well. Before that, he won two two in a row. Um, obviously, he, he just had such a strange up-and-down UFC career. But, dude, who do you got in this main card opener? Light heavyweights, Magomed Ankalaev, Vulcan used to be. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev, man. I mean, he's the other guy outside of Yuri who's, like, future champ potential, right? And, obviously, Vulcan, for the first time ever in his career, got put out, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I think prior to that, he hadn't gotten, like, actually finished with punches. Before that, it was all submissions. And, I mean, I don't know if Magomed's going to be able to recreate that. Uh, and like we said, that was the first time he ever got finished. We've mentioned it before previously on the podcast. After a fighter gets finished for the first time with punches like that, maybe they're not as, you know, out there with their offense. They're a little more gun-shy. We'll see if that's a factor going into the fight. Might not be. Maybe I'm just making that up. But, 
definitely something to look out for going into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he has been TKO'd before. I believe that he got TKO'd by DC, and I actually pretty Did sure really? that was it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he didn't get knocked out by him. That was more like just he got him into a bad position and he was not able to escape, so he got TKO'd. But, um, yeah, he got put out for the first time. I think that was – I mean, that, that's a tough thing for guys to come back from. Um, I'm going to take Magomed on Goliath here, dude. I, I love Vulcan. Vulcan's one of my guys. I remember whenever he first came to the UFC and he was just – I called it the boop punch. You know what I mean? He didn't look like there was anything behind it, but he was just booping dudes out cold. Like Booping. <laughs> yeah, he was booping dudes out cold. Like just put out – you put out Jimmy Manawa, who at that point, dude, like Manawa was hella hyped. Do you remember this? Like back in like 2017, he knocked out Corey Anderson. He's knocking dudes out left and right. And then uh, Volkan just came and sold his thunder. Obviously, he beat Serkinov, knocked him out with the old boot punch. Uh, and before that, he beat OSP, and he took that final like a week's notice or something. Like he was not even supposed to be there. Um, so, yeah, dude, I've loved Vulcan's rise, but it's it's Magomed Alkali's time now. Like, this is a guy that is so good. He's so well-rounded. Um, and, like, I really think this is his first real fighting. It's a top echelon. Like, Krylov's good. Kutalov is good. But Vulcan is a top. I mean, he's been a perennially top five guy since coming into the UFC in 2017. So I think it's a tremendous fight for him. I take Magomed Alkali. Uh, but looking down the card, dude, what are some of the fights, particularly on the undercard, that you want to go and highlight? Ooh, here we go. Let me see. I mean, I started with the lightweights, man. Demir uh, Isma Ghul. I just chopped that up so bad. I hadn't done it that bad. I had done such a good job before that. But Demir, I just put it out there. I mean, only one loss, 23 and one. I mean, he's just like one of the number one prospects at 155. Uh, you know, he's put on some good performances. I mean, obviously, keep an eye out for him. And Andre uh, Pedrosky, man, he's coming back again. Obviously, we, we mentioned him a lot because of. Uh, Obviously, the Ultimate Fighter, they were kind of set on keeping him around, and he's back, man. They got him another fight uh, at 185, and uh, he talked about making some moves to a different weight class, maybe losing some weight, but it seems like he's going to stick at 185 for this one. He's fighting in Abu Dhabi, so they're giving a big chance here. I mean, those are two guys that I really wanted to highlight. Hmm. For sure. I believe you're referring to Demir Azamogulov. Yes, dude, uh, I was killing it with that pronunciation before that. Though. I don't know why I just chopped it up right there. Dude, I'll, I'll pick up the mantle for you. Demir Azamagulov. I appreciate um, that. 20-1, who obviously he beat Tiago Moyes. That's why he went ahead and shout out earlier. He also beat Joel Alvarez. Dude, Joel Alvarez is going on a hell of a run too, dude. Um, so, Shut yeah, up. he's he's tremendous. And the guy he's fighting, I mean, let's go and show some respect to Magam and Mustafaev, who's no punk, all right? Um, he is 15 and three. His only losses in the UFC are to Kevin Lee and Brad Riddell. He beat Rafael Fazeev, which a lot of people forget because everybody's half, uh, hyping up Rafael right now. But he tremendous knockout, spinning back kick on him. Um, he's got a couple other nice wins as well, including Akubar well, Akubar Nurmagomedov, um, obviously the cousin of Habib. So yeah, dude, Magomed uh, Mustafaev is no punk. Honestly, this is going to be a tremendous fight, tremendous, tremendous fight, which is, I believe is one of the first ones of the card. Second billing, which is crazy from like from the, from the bottom, I guess you say. Uh, Makwan Americani, Lerone Murphy should be a lot of fun. Um, Ilizu Zaleski Dos Santos is back. Uh, Ricardo Hamos versus Zubara Tukov should be a lot of fun. Amanda Hibas, Verna Jinjirobo. Watch this one specifically for the grappling exchanges. Uh, Verna Jinjirobo, one of the greatest um, – I guess jujitsu women right now in MMA. 
Um, against Amanda Hubas, who was super hyped up until she got knocked out by Marina Rodriguez. But this is going to be a very, very fun fight. Grappling exchanges this one should be very, very interesting to watch. But yeah, dude, tremendous card we got going down this Saturday. Very, very fun. But uh, in the end, we do have another quick, uh, we have a recap from Bellator last week, as well as some news. Uh, we'll just go ahead and start off Bellator 269 from Moscow, Russia. Angel. Fedor. The last emperor, Emilianenko, knocking out Tim Johnson inside of a minute 46. That's my first go, of, bro. That's, that's my go. go. Let's that's go and put go. that out there. But first of all, give me, I mean, I mean, we talked, I mean, you called me up, we talked about it live. So, but go ahead and take a step back. What, what were your thoughts just about his performance? And also, what do you want to see next for Fedor? He's got one left. I want to see him fucking retire. That's what I want to see, John. I just want to see him fucking retire. Really? You don't want – like, okay, but he said he's doing one more regardless. What do you want to – if you had to match make? Oh, God. JDS, if I could get it. I'm just I'm just going to be realistic. I'm just going to give you realistic matchups that I think you're going to win. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. JDS. All right, I'll take it. But we'll just – I mean – They could have – but I think JDS, like, officially retired from, like, all sort of, like, MMA competition oh. recently. Damn. Well, shit. But as far as the performance, dude, give me your quick thoughts about the performance about Tim Johnson just running there, getting getting absolutely marked, and just Fader's turning the clock, man. Just give me go ahead and just go ahead and talk about it. I mean, it's not crazy, but I think I think Tim Johnson had the right plan, like take him out early, like just put pressure on him early on, and just fucking get him out of there. But uh, I mean, Fader got him good, dude. Fader got him perfectly. I mean, I don't think it could. Fader Fader had to get him out in the first round. Let's be real, Josh. We knew that Fader had to get him out in the first round. There was no ifs, buts, or whens about it. He had to get him out in the first round, and he did. Mm. Yeah, and I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so, I mean, obviously Tim Johnson was ranked number two going into this. Is this, on paper, the best win Fedor's had since, like, Brett Rogers in 2009? If they could take in all consideration of all the factors. Like, Tim Johnson was on a tremendous run before this. He was ranked number two. Is this the greatest win he's had in legitimately, like, 10 years? Oh, yeah, probably without a doubt. Because, like, you, obviously, like, he beat guys like Frank Mir and Rampage and Chael. But, like, like those guys are past – I think Tim Johnson beats those guys. Like, Fedor is legitimately ranked number two now in Bellator, and you can't even argue against it. Like, that's – you know, Angel, hear me out. I know you said you want retirement. I wrote a, I wrote a column this week for Bell, for excuse me, for Cageside Press. About this fight in Bellator. Hear me out. Fedor Milenko, the last emperor, fighting in Chicago. He's always, for some reason, he loves fighting in Chicago. I don't know why. I'm not sure if it's because there's a large Russian population there. He loves fighting in Chicago. He fights in Chicago one more time. The last emperor, one last chance for a world title. He fights Ryan Bader for the World Heavyweight Championship, a rematch. Bader's been knocked out twice in his last three fights. Fedor just knocked out the number two ranked guy. He has his protege, who is the champion, the interim champion, but he can step aside for the old man to get one more shot at the world title. What are your thoughts? Fuck, man. I don't know if I want it, but I'll watch it. I'll fucking <laughs> watch it. Let me tell you, I'll fucking watch the shit out of that. Look, dude, all I'm saying is it, it set it, – it, 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 look, MMA stuff rarely falls into place. I guess you could argue that this would have been the perfect time for him to retire, but, like, I don't blame him because he looked – so good for him to be like, you know, I want to do one more. I don't blame him for that. But if he's going to do one more, dude, 
this works out almost perfectly because like these guys have history. They fought once before. Bader's been knocked out twice in a row by not twice in a row, but two out of his last three times. Like guys that don't have nearly the punching power of Fedor. Um, and it's either going to be repeat repeat for Bader and he gets another win under his belt, gets him back on the horse, or it's going to be revenge. Fedor gets his gets the knockout and can retire on top. And his protege can walk right into being the heavyweight champion because he's the interim champion already. Um, so I think it makes all the sense in the world for them to book that one. But obviously, we'll see what happens. Fedor said that he doesn't want to fight JDS because he thinks JDS is no longer good, essentially. Dang, put it out there like that. I mean, it's it's hard to argue against it because he's been... He's I been, know, I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, four, four straight KOs. None of them really being competitive. Um, but yeah, dude, so... Moving on, not a whole lot to talk about this one otherwise, but go ahead and give me your quick thoughts, particularly on the co-main, as well as some other fights in the card. Yeah, I'm going to put it up. I didn't have that one ready. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, as far as the fights on there, I mean, it was the kind of typical, uh, what's it called, Bellator card, right? Kind of have, a, you know, the good of card, like the, and it's not, no disrespect to anybody on, on, on the other card, but they have the main guys on the main card, right? And then kind mm-hmm. of other people they want to kind of fill in, maybe some local talent. And, uh, you know, they kind of fill out their card like that. I mean, and let's let's get let's get into someone who needs some more competition. I mean, Usman Nurmagomedov Madoff getting a submission win in the first round. I mean, Josh, we talked about this. I mean, it was it was kind of set in stone that he was going to win this. There was no ifs, buts or when of when it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It was going to happen that night early on. At some point, no matter what, there was no reality where we thought the uh, his opponent was going to win. Mm. Yeah, not even a little bit. In fact, he didn't even move up in the rankings because of this fight. He won dominantly, but didn't even move up at all. And it makes sense. So, I mean, his opponent fell out too. You know, we can't. Yeah, um, I can't give him the the hardest of times because obviously that's uh, it's obviously a factor. But it's kind of like, you know. Really? Mm-hmm. Think you guys kind of found anybody else? Someone undefeated with good potential? Mm. Yeah, dude. But regardless, he did pick up the nice win. That was good for him. Uh, Sawi Soma defeating Vitaly Minikov in the co-main. That, uh, that, was a, that was a fun fight. Unfortunate ending. I like to see that them honestly run it back. Um, obviously, Vitaly Minikov all round one. But over the course of the fight, Sawi Soma was kind of turning the turning the tide you know he's landing a lot of leg kicks he was turning it around um shame how it ended but still a nice win for him uh shout out on like the the, really the small undercard like the last fight before the main card excuse me kirill selinikov who i believe used to be dubbed baby fedor um actually i think that still is his nickname super hyped up guy never lived up to the hype um now he's in belgium got his second straight win Shout out him, man. Shout out Baby Fedor. Never lived up to the hype, but still did get a nice win on the undercard. But, yeah, man. Um, as far as that goes, not a whole lot to talk about just because it kind of was like a regional base. Beltor does that when they go to, like, Russia. They go to, you know, the U.K. They have a lot of young guys on there, mostly from that location. So not a whole lot to talk about in terms of ranking locations or anything like that outside of the main event, really. But we're going to run down a couple of quick pieces of news. Angel, we're going to start off straight from the top. Mike Perry, Mike Platinum Perry, your boy, um, heading to BKFC, man. This seems like a match made in heaven. 
Uh, what is your quick reaction to that one? I mean, good for him for finding himself a you know a different opportunity, right? I mean, if he wasn't gonna get into UFC, at least he got it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, I believe he's gonna be fighting at 175. I, I originally it seemed like he had one deal, like one fight left of his contract. According to Danny, he did not. Um, so that's why this you know this deal was able to happen. He obviously is not gonna be fighting in bare knuckle fighting. It seemed like a match made in he- heaven. Florida man fighting for the Florida based BKFC. So shout out to that. Uh, other quick piece, Nate Diaz is now officially on the last fight of his UFC contract. They have not tried to negotiate a new deal. Seems like Dana is actually content to let him fight it out. First of all, what do you think is going to be next for Nate? What do you think is his end goal? And also, who do you want to see him fight as part of the last fight on his deal? I mean, I, Dana said they're not like in works with Tony, but I wouldn't be opposed to a Tony fight. I think that'd be a banger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, by the way, I'm not even surprised that the uh, UFC is trying to not book that one. It seems like the UFC sometimes, there's, like, shit that'll just fall into place. You know what I mean? And then they'll, like, actively go the other way. Like, they will try to go the other way from something that's fun that fans want. And we're probably just going to see him fight fucking Michael Chiesa or something. There's no, that's no disrespect to Michael Chiesa, but that's just not a fight that would make sense for Nate Diaz. The Leon yeah, Edwards least, one did not make sense either. So I mean, bless their souls. At least Michael Kies is locked up, right? At least we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. They're going to they're going to do something really stupid that nobody wants. I just know it's going to happen. But let me go and ask this: What do you think his end goal is? Do you think it's just to try and shake more money out of you? See, or do you really think he's going to fight Jake Paul? I think he might actually fight Jake Paul. Like I'm not even joking around about that, Josh. Hmm. Yeah. That. I think it's a very real possibility too. I honestly do. I think it's a very very real possibility. Um, but ultimately that just depends on whether or not Jake Paul still is winning by the time the Nate gets out. It seems like the UFC is kind of, Nate's trying to get out of it as quick as possible, seemingly, and, uh, takes fighting in December. So, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, man, it's going to be interesting watching how that plays out. And lastly, I'm not even going to ask like what you're in, like, if you're excited for this one, I'm just going to ask, do you buy it? Um, Daniel Keem of Drama Alert <laughs> <laughs> came out, this former host of Drama Alert, came out and said that uh, there's a fight that is allegedly either, you know, in the works or set or anything, February of 2022, that being Mike Tyson versus Logan Paul. Do you even buy the story at all? I mean, dude, I with these guys, we've said that time and time again. I mean, I think I just need to accept this is just reality now. You know what I mean? Fair enough, fair enough. I'll ask you, actually, I'll put it like this. This fight, come, let's say it actually happens. I don't think this one actually happens. I don't think Mike would do that um, unless the money was there. He Like, unless the, there was so much money that was there. You know, Floyd's like a guy that was always open to these things. I don't know if Mike really would. But going real quickly, say hypothetically it happens, 2022 February. Are you going to your local Buffalo Wild Wings or are you paying for the one? You know, I've done a mixture of both, Josh. So I don't know what's gonna what's gonna make me do it or not do it. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, dude. But as far as is there any other news? Is there anything else I missed? I think we're set for the week, man. I mean, we fucking killed it. <laughs> well, I mean, when when do we not? I mean, you guys, you guys always love the show. But yeah, it's, speaking of loving the show, guys, always be sure to go ahead and make sure you're subscribed. Um, what's the thing, what's the thing YouTubers say? Click the bell to make sure you never miss out or whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, 
make sure you're subscribed on Spotify, all those places. Make sure to rate us on Apple. If you guys want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Josh Shermanoff. He's at Angel Ortega underscore 01. Hope you can go out. Hope you guys enjoyed the show as always. Have fun. It's going to be a hell of a week of fights. Peace and butt grease. Mouth click.